0: Okay, so Joy, welcome to the podcast. I'm gonna start- Thank you so much. Do you listen to the podcast?
1: Um,
0: I- That's a no. So- (laughs) Hi, welcome to Outrageous, the podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris, I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA, hello, and Jason in D.C. One take, baby. You got it in one take. Okay. This has got to stop. Okay. This is, you know what? This is our 97th episode, I think. So 97 episodes. So I've I've said that 97 times, at least, um, not counting the retakes uh <laughs> oh, I, I mean you just,
2: you just jumped over that but we've got to do something to celebrate the. the well
0: for, for the, the big 100 out. i was going to talk about that off air but oh <laughs> here we cool. are <laughs> i think we should Any give our what? listeners a free episode yeah <laughs> we won't charge for the 100th will, episode we'll release the archives uh after 100 you can go back and listen to whatever you want for free uh <laughs> Hi. So this week we have a special guest. Her name is Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi. We brought Joy on because we know her. We love her. She's amazing. She can tell you more about how she's amazing. In the last episode, we talked a lot about Andrew Yang's op-ed in Washington Post and the three of us were not Asian, or none of us are Asian American. I don't know if you knew that listener. And we were like, we wanted to get a smart Asian American on the podcast to talk from a perspective that none of us have. And so that's why Joy's here. She's smart. She's wonderful. She's fun. She's Joy. Hi, Joy.
1: Hello. It's so, so good to be with all of you.
0: <laughs> so you, we were talking before we started, you and Jason go way, way, way back.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that is certainly true, but you know, I mean, I, I can't even count the years that I have looked Sure you up. can.
0: It's just math. It's
1: just <laughs> <laughs> I don't need- you just
0: use your fingers, really.
1: Maybe I don't want to count all the years, but I but, uh, <laughs> that's more
0: like it.: <laughs>
1: It's not just Jason, I have looked up to all of you and appreciated all of you um, for your intelligence, eloquence, mm. oh, um, Thank you. Your camarader- camaraderie with each other, your dedication to intellectual pursuit, so of course, I would want to spend time with you. <laughs>
0: This we're is keeping, already off.
1: We're keeping joy. We're keeping I,
0: know. joy. I know.
1: I know. I <laughs> know. Regular rotation of joy. <laughs> four
0: four way podcast. I mean, you two will have to split your share of the cash with her. <laughs> so, joy, we are desperate to talk to you because uh, oh, last week we we said a lot of things. I don't. We don't. I don't know if they were smart or not. Um, some of them were, but what we really were craving was um, we wanted to talk to someone who is Asian American, about how um, Andrew Yang's op-ed in the Washington Post hit. And we talked about it last week as far as he wrote a piece in the Washington Post calling on Asian Americans to display their Americanness in some very outward sort of very, what's the word I'm looking for? Dumb ways? I don't know. That's- (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Just, listen, we talked about this already, but I just, it, it just felt- I'm not certain, I was not certain what he was calling on on Americans to do um, at all. So I'm just wondering what your take on that was.
1: Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, there's two things you can, you know, get a take on. One is the op-ed itself and one is on the reaction to it, Mm -hmm. especially from from Asian Americans. I'll just say first before diving in, with the Asian American backlash, because some of it did, you know, constitute a backlash, in my view, it wasn't it was an overreaction and a great deal of misinterpretation. But on the other hand, it was entirely understandable. But first, uh, you know, how do we look at his op-ed itself? I mean, the way that I read it was at a very high level. It was a call for unity. It was a call for positivity. This is all consistent with how he has he has run his campaign. It's a call for solutions. It's a call to citizenship. These are all very key to the person he is and uh, but above all it's a call for unity. The first trouble with that is that many Asians don't naturally feel unity just like many people of any background do not and so you know we're a hyper divided society so this call for unity not only falls on deaf ears it actually incites anger um, which is an interesting response. This is a little bit of an aside just to provide some colors some context like um, a Korean American friend invited me to a Facebook group that tracks the violence against Asians these days, because of COVID nineteen, I've offered to several of my friends to join this Facebook group, and a hundred percent have declined. And that's because, you know, generally speaking, very few people have the stomach for this. On top of very few people, on top of everything that we're all dealing with, can deal with stories on their Facebook feed about violence against Asians. So, in this context, Andrew Yang asks us to embrace and show Americanness and help our neighbors. Which, you know, you mentioned that he. Sh- you think he asked for it to be shown in some dumb ways? I think some maybe can be arguably dumb, but helping our neighbors is is, is a pretty good reason, you know, a reasonable one. You know, but the fact is that showing our Americanness is something that Asian Americans negotiate all the time, not just now. And Asian and Andrew Yang said, "Step this up. This is a survival tactic right now." But despite or perhaps because of the fact that we as Amer- Asian Americans do this all the time, whether consciously or not will many people feel resentment when asked to do it? Well, yeah, they will. But you know, in order to not be bewildered by his op-ed or angered by what he said, you have to kind of, you have to spend some time to get into the mind of Andrew Yang. (laughs) So my take is that, I'll tell you what it's not, like where his mind is not at. He didn't write what he wrote because he believes Asians need to kiss up to white people. It's not because he believes that Americanness equates with whiteness. It's not because he's an Asian Uncle Tom. It's not because he thinks any of this situation is fair. It's not that he wants to blame the victim. Um, It's not that he even wants, he thinks Asian Americans need to prove them that they are Americans. It's not that he believes Asian Americans are more responsible for racism than racists are. It's not because he's a closet white supremacist. But all of these things that I've just said he's not are things that he's being accused of by Asians because of what he wrote.
3: You just went through that list just now with a lot of conviction about what he's not or what his intentions were not. I'm just wondering, like, what what gives you such conviction on each of those points that that is not where his mind was?
1: It's a combination of things. One is he has literally come out and said after this op-ed has come out and and he's been subject to the backlash he's explained his intentions and he's explained what it's not about and what it is. So, you know, and he said, I think the key, yeah, I can share it with you after this, um, Mm -hmm. after we speak, but, you know, uh, uh, and I do want to mention that a very key part of what he said is that he fell short. He fell short with his op-ed. He understands why it got the reaction he did. Certainly, he doesn't say this, but I know if, it's, he's, you know, he's a smart guy. If he could rewrite the op-ed, he would rewrite it because that one okay. sentence just threw everybody off. What's the one sentence? It's the one sentence at the end of his op-ed where he calls on, sh- a dis- on showing Americanists and it has those very trigger words in there about red, white, and blue. Yeah. Wearing
0: a flag. That's yeah. Yeah, That's what set me off too. Yeah. That's what That was one of the dumb ways I noted earlier. No,
1: no, certainly. Certainly, because I think you can read that in two ways. One is you can read a reference to the flag and red, white, and blue as patriotism, like a call to patriotism. But you can also respond to it as like, that's jingoistic or stupid. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all very natural, depending on where you're coming from.
2: You know, one of the things that I think you you said in the beginning is this notion of Asians negotiating their role in America. Do you think that part of the reaction to um, Yang's op-ed is probably because there might not be a sort of unified... Ideology around sort of what it means to be Asian in America. I ask that only in contrast to something like, say, Black Americans, where there's a kind of set of experiences that you might be able to call to, that would then make an op-ed if it was written by a Black person clearly kind of there'd be some pushback in some some clear ways, right?
1: Definitely, I think that that is a whole other way of looking at this because my my reading on the Asian American reaction to this was actually focused on the opposite of what you just said which is what is common to asian americans like my folk my i was thinking like what's common to us what's what's asian Ameri- uh, what's common to chinese americans in particular the other approach which is to look at what is not common and therefore plays into this as well is is a really great question i do think that that is a huge factor when you don't have that ideology or culture to to sort of support you or fall back on So I think both are at play here. There's a lot of things that are common and diverse within the community.
2: Yeah, it's tricky because I think when you have such backlash to a statement, given who and how you interpreted it, because of your comfort with sort of assuming certain things about Yang, right? When a statement falls so poorly, you have to sort of begin to deconstruct why, right? Yep,
1: yep. I think we can t- learn from this about Asian Americans and mm-hmm. and how they are going to tend to tend to react or not react. And, and this is not the first case, obviously, of of a, a, an example that can show us something about um, the psyche of mm-hmm. Asian Americans. To go to circle back to Jason's the question earlier, it's not only by hearing from Andrew directly what he said, but also my understanding of Andrew as a person mm-hmm. that allows me to come with this perspective. To know that he's not a white supremacist, for example, or or any of those other reasons, other things that I said, like, you know, that he's modeli- modeling internalized inferiority, which you know, Congress Congresswoman Omar accused him of very angrily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of misperceptions about Andrew Yang, and there always have been throughout this campaign, um, and certainly enough for some Asian Americans to you know quote unquote cancel him, or for celebrities on Twitter to hurl very very crude insults at him. I mean, you do have to understand and, ex- and accept the notion that Andrew is a, first a patriot to give him the benefit of the doubt on some of these questions and how you read his, his writing. It's very natural, I think, for an Asian American or for any person to, when someone calls on you to step up your patriotism, to say, why, why are you saying I'm not already a patriot? Why mm-hmm. are you to tell me to do Patriotism, And and again, that's not what he was trying to say, but that's how it will be received. So like, you know, it's okay if JFK asks everyone to ask not what, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. But if you cannot single out Asians and say essentially the same thing in a time of crisis, you know, like Asian Americans have a lot of baggage, just like all humans do. And Asian Americans have a chip on their shoulder, like all humans do, I certainly do. You know, we get triggered by all kinds of racial things, um, all the time, that most non-Asian Americans don't even have the first clue about. So, you know, I mean, there is also the deep truth that, that there is something in, in what Andrew ha- said, which is correct, is that people do, which is a point he was, he was making, is that people do perceive and act and judge based on outward appearances. The truth is, if I'm at a supermarket and three men are giving me dirty looks, it's 99% guaranteed that saying to them don't be racist is not going to work in my favor. Fair. (laughs) Like, you know, however, saying don't be racist in tones of outrage is arguably the foundation of a lot of social justice activism. So the fact that Andrew Yang didn't do that, like some people just won't stand for it. And so it's just, it's very easy to understand this because it's part of the discourse a part of what people expect. But ultimately, do I think Andrew Yang is responsible for people's reactions? I think in large part yes, because like I've always been fascinated by the tension between intention and impact. You know, which is more important? How do you balance that? Like the intent mm-hmm. was he actually took the time to- the time to speak out about this problem and to search for solutions, and he's seeking to help. The impact is it didn't work quite work, he fell short. So, you know, I think an important thing here is that he did take ownership, he acknowledged the shortcomings of his op-ed, he responded to the backlash, explained his attentions, he said he fell short. You know, in my view, this is a a pretty rare act when you, you know, a public figure, you know, taking accountability and, and, you know, sincerely responding. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just not, his his character is not someone who will tap into these tropes that we, we are so accustomed to seeing, like victimhood, like fear, outrage, bitterness, Betrayal; these are all very human emotions that we we see all the time. We experience. He he does experience and demonstrate anger, but Andrew Yang's go-to is not these things. His go-to is compassion and humanity first.
2: You you've said quite a bit about Yang, and I feel like our audience is going to need some context for why you feel comfortable defining and describing him so comfortably. Can you give some context for for that? How do you know him? How do you feel comfortable saying interpreting so, his behavior? <laughs>
1: Okay, so I met Andrew Yang when he was 18 years old. So that, again, was a number of years that I cannot count back to.
0: It's just math, Joy. You just, it's just a passion. <laughs> not, I mean, I don't know. How do we get back well, here? Well, no, because
1: then we, 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 we are here. If I mention
2: 18, I now must give you another number to say. <laughs>
1: it was six years ago. It was Thank six you, years
0: me. ago. Yeah, it was six years
3: so, ago. Sure. Years Joy, ago. what was the context in which you met him?
1: I met him in college. So we went to school together at Brown. I mean, I met him my first week on campus. It must have been some Asian thing. It must have been some Asian American event. Funnily, maybe ironically, it might have been in the context of Brown's diversity program where they, they teach all of the people of color who come in as students to how not to be racist and how to be sensitive to racism. And you go through a week training.
0: I'm shocked that they did that back then. Back <laughs> then, whenever that was.
1: <laughs>
2: so Actually, not so far back then, because I feel like it's something we were all experienced. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I'm sure we were him. both, we were, I was, a, I was involved with the Chinese Students Association, with the Amer- Asian American Students Association, we were all in the same circles, we had the same Asian friends, but that's one part, and then, and then I worked on his campaign for, you know, for over a year, so his presidential campaign, I was there on the other day he dropped out in New Hampshire, I am very, very well acquainted with all kinds of reactions to Andrew Yang, including a lot, including Asian Americans who actually hate him one of the
2: things i thought was noteworthy in your last comment is that you listed out a set of feelings, experiences that will not be a part of the andrew yang package. and i thought that that in some ways those were the reasons why he w- was attractive to certain groups could you speak a little bit more to why that was a strategy strategy for him or why that became a strategy? You said there was like no resentment, no, ang- I mean, occasional anger, but um, victimization. Because those are sort of terms that I think are often used by people in the right to talk about minority experiences. But I think you cast it in a very different way.
1: I was casting it in a more human way because... It doesn't matter if you're left or right like you have we will have these human emotions, but then of course, any emotions can be weaponized by a, a political side. He is certainly different. He is not your typical Asian American he's not your typical politician he's not your typical person. He is actually unique I'm sure some of it is strategic, but honestly, some of it is just who he is mm-hmm. uh, he's very he is authentic um, he is he does believe that in making America think harder. And making America think harder means not falling into these traps. You know, some, on the one hand, people who are against him say he's a pawn for white people. And then the reality is he actually recognizes that racism or racial identities can be a pawn used in a much larger game. Like he gets things systemically. You can see, perceive that when he answers questions. Like when he was asked back in January, when he was doing some sort of a town hall event, Someone asked him, like, this coronavirus thing looks like it's starting to get serious. Do you, are you afraid that Asian Americans will be hurt by this if this keeps going on? This is early days. And he said, the best thing to avoid Asian Americans getting hurt by racism and violence in this context is for us to not have this vi- to, to tamp down this virus, to solve the virus problem. In other words, like, he intellectually, intuitively gets that racial violence against Asian Americans will ensue. This was before it even happened you know what he campaigned on was this combination of intellect like thinking through things and seeing things in a different way that honestly i felt is more intelligent than your standard politician and your um and his heart which is he's genuinely doing this not cuz he wants to be president he genuinely just wants to help people that's how people who know him understand that it is not about ego it's not about power and ambition for him
0: that seems Forgive me, but it seems shockingly naive to then seek the presidency of the United States. Or maybe I'm just jaded by these times. Like the person you're describing doesn't seem not fit for office, but the the office wouldn't fit him.
1: You have to realize that back in, like, and you wouldn't because you you wouldn't have been following him every day like I was Mm -hmm. from the very beginning Mm -hmm. when he first announced. He said from day one, which... Actually, I think he might have been the first person to declare his candidacy. So it's very early, before everyone else that everyone's heard of. He said that he doesn't mind if he doesn't become elected if his ideas take root. And he said he'd much rather just his ideas have an impact than being in the White House. He's like, He said from day one over and over, I've never dreamed about being in the White House. I'm just here to solve problems. I'd rather not get to the White House and have my ideas get picked up than not have, you know, then vice versa. Is he not, does he not, does he have ego? Of course. is is he, does he have some ambition? Of course, but I'm just saying relatively, relatively for a politician.
2: Also, we also discussed the idea that in some ways running for presidency is, is a media is a mediated experience that allows you to bring a platform that might not get, um, the same coverage if you were just going to put up a shingle. Because now it's like he's he's made people comfortable with the idea of universal basic income. If it continues on, people can always say Yang did that.
0: I I want to take it back to the article, not to belabor the point, but this is the question that's been sitting with me all week since last we talked. It's a question for you, certainly, Joy, but for you other two. Given the reaction that Andrew Yang got to his article, given that he understands the errors that he made... How could he have delivered that message, as Joy is putting out about unity and collectiveness? I guess my, oh, this was my question in the treatment last week is like, where did he go wrong here? Was it just really that last sentence where it's like, wear a flag? Somehow, if, if, we, if we take what Joy is saying as fact, because she's got, she had personal interactions with him, then where did, how did that not get translated?
1: In a way, I don't think there's a perfect way to write exactly what he wanted to say.
0: Maybe not perfect, but it really fell off a cliff. Like the people, I mean, it was like chum in the waters. People went nuts, you know, on all sides. So I'm not looking for perfect. I'm just looking for effective. He fell short, as he said, of where he wanted to be. Like how could he have gotten there in this medium?
2: Do you know what, though? Um, The last president gave a speech today. And you wouldn't actually have to say that President Obama is off from the way that um, Yang approaches things, because the idea is where can I find a common language? I think that piece could have been a rallying cry for the very humanity that Joy is making um, that that Joy is, is making a claim to in the piece, right? But the way you do that is not by singling out Asian Americans, but by actually sort of contextualizing the experience that Asian Americans are having in this moment. Yeah, I
1: like that.
2: You know what I mean? And then inviting people to move beyond the easy, making this about China virus and all of those kinds of things, which is exactly what that was meant to do, right? It was all distraction. In some ways the piece submitted to that it's submitted to the distraction by putting the onus on asians rather than sort of saying this is a these are your sisters who are being victimized by this narrative let us find the commonality our common humanity mm-hmm. and embrace our embrace the things that americans value so it's like you can sort of hearken back to the constitution bill of rights any of those kinds of tr- larger framing words and you would have really been able to push that message cuz that's essentially my interpretation of, of what Joyce and Andrew was aiming for. Mm-hmm. right and so oh, yeah you I love just, that. yeah you know you let people understand your your brother and your sister your friends your people that you know your neighbors they're suffering for this because this has been labeled a china virus and now everybody's looking for um a vic- a person to victimize that is not how americans do this and you could sort of make that claim um you know there're tragic moments in our history and you can call to the truth of what happened during the japanese internment period but and then but you can say but the japanese essentially showed us what their values were by their participation in the military. Let us use this moment to come together. Let us unify around these key values that all of us hold. Mm -hmm. That was, I think, a little bit more of, I think that's more the resonance that he was probably going for. Yeah. But, but, But
3: this, it raises a question and I'm kind of doubling down on Chris's question. And like, I don't understand what he was trying to accomplish. And, and, And you went through a list of like what you're sure, you know, were not his intentions, but I don't understand what his intentions were. And and again, the comment I made when we last talked about it was like, he seemed to be saying that Asian Americans should start doing something that they're not currently doing. And that's what I don't get. Like, I don't, I don't understand what he, because it'd be one thing if like, we've seen art, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but if we had seen articles that like, you know, Asian American doctors were refusing to treat people with COVID-19 or something like that. But, like, I'm not aware of, I don't I don't know what the problem, the problem was that he was trying to solve. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, obviously a problem that is very re- relevant that we've been talking about is, you know, the way the virus has been characterized and violence against Asian Americans, etc. But the piece did not seem to be aimed at changing that because, again, he was speaking to what Asian Americans should do. And I, again, I don't know what Asian Americans ha- weren't already doing that he was saying they should do. Like, do you have any perspective on that?
1: Well, the way he answered the question when asked later was he was trying to highlight the the problem as it existed, and then he was trying to also highlight the fact that Asian Americans are already heroes. Like, they are. He he mentioned statistic, statistic, which I think is actually very underreported that. Seventeen um, percent of Asian American uh, of doctors are Asian Americans, so they're already the ones that are. They're dis, Asian Americans are disproportionately the ones that are on the front lines fighting yep. this virus. So you know he's highlighting these facts, unlike the idea that he's saying Asian Americans are not going to the front lines or not doing enough. In that sense, he miswrote because he gave Jason Yu and many others the impression that he was saying that you're not doing enough. That's certainly not his point here, but that's how it reads. And that's a a flaw in the writing. The other point, which I mentioned earlier is there is a, there is an emphasis he is making on, on performance. And I think that's an interesting strategy and an interesting Mm -hmm. tactic to raise in this situation. It's actually one that I use all the time. Like I perform all the time in ways I think will strategically, uh, you know, behoove me to, to including sometimes wearing things, maybe not the flag, but you know, I, I do consider these things in my calculus every day, how to, like navigate the world. So, sure. um, yeah, we all do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I think that he's making that subtle point, but it's way too, it's just way too subtle for this forum and this audience. So, I mean, in <laughs> these times. Also, the red, white, and blue thing. I, did he really say flag? I just remember the red. No, white
0: he said blue. wear red, white, and blue.
1: Yeah so, I don't, red, white. yeah. so, I think that's different from saying the flag, but I do want to give some background information on the red, white, and blue. That was not un- an only for him a symbolism of patriotism, it's actually, it might, it's gonna come across sounding like an inside joke, but it is something that he was planning to roll out like the week or two after in one of his, because he's working on multiple projects right now. And one of the things he's apparently doing, and I don't know what it is, has to do with using those colors. So it came across, if you don't know that, then it's just gonna come across offensively. But mm. you know, in his mm. mind, he's like thinking about his project and it's, it ties into the project that he has in the future. You know what I mean? That's so. interesting.
0: That's very interesting context. <laughs> that is really interesting. So it was pre-product placement.
1: That is so
2: valuable to know. Because that's yeah. value, but also I think instructive about some of the challenges I had with Andrew Yang's campaign, which is that I thought that it was often decontextualized. Like it didn't take history into consideration, which is part of its strength. And I think part of its appeal, right? It's like, let us try to find solutions to these problems that we all agree we have. But the tricky thing about trying to find solutions to problems that we all see is that on some level, you have to also define what those problems are. And you have to be really clear to others that you understand what those problems are, not just the um, what they look like, but the root causes of them. And so I think that was also part of the, um, the issue, even with the piece, is like, you are not sort of giving the full flavor of what it means to be a minority group, even if you were trying to talk to Asian Americans in this piece. Part of what was always attractive about Yang, I felt is that he was so solution driven that that's really sexy to people. Like, let's not get mired down into the problems. I'm tired of being mired down in problems. Let's get to solving it, right? Let's get some money in pockets and let's get da, 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 and all of those kinds of things, right? And that's also part of the element around universal basic income. One of the things that people have said about universal basic income is that in America, if America didn't have people of color, universal basic income would be very attractive. And you have to kind of unpack that a little bit, right? Because that's where you're gonna get some of the resistance. But it's like, no, let's just give money out. And so on one hand, I'm really attracted to the idea of like, let's just solve some problems. But then also, it can feel really superficial if you don't sort of take into consideration how these things are going to be read by different groups of people. And I felt like that was a piece of what also happened in the article. Like you could see the backlash from the article and look at all these layers that we're able to unpack now, but none of those layers were um, available to the reader in the article.
1: Okay. I do want to make a comment about your Trish, what you're saying about the problems. I find it so interesting to hear what you said because my first reaction, before fully considering all the points you're making, was to was an opposite reaction because what attracted to me to Andrew Yang and his campaign. By the way, it wasn't that he was Asian American. It wasn't that I knew him personally. It, it definitely was for the quality of his campaign and his ideas. Um, it it what attracted me was specifically his diagnosis of the problems. So it's so fascinating to hear you say that that was what you, gra- you struggled with that he didn't do that. In my view, you know, he actually diagnosed the problems better than anyone else up on that stage. I-, I didn't actually agree with how they diagnosed the problems. That's why I was behind him because I felt like you can't, solve, you can't be a problem solver for, the, for our country unless you actually understand what's going on with the problems. But listening to you, Trish, I think that there are aspects and levels of the problems that he didn't actually tend to to as much. But the ways he he did tend to it resonated with me. I think he needed to do it other ways to resonate with others.
0: We're going to leave it there. Joy, in this time when you have so much time on your hands, what is something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced that has been alleviating some of the trauma and stress of this unprecedented historical event.
1: If, Since you're asking the question, I do have to mention my favorite um, TV, my favorite TV. However, I have to say- Your favorite front.
0: TV set? Like you have one in your house that you're, <laughs> you're fond of? or
1: TV show or program or series, I should say. However, okay. I will say up front that it is definitely not for everyone. It Stop is-
3: apologizing. What is it? Yeah, this sounds interesting. What's it going to be?
1: Well, first I have to introduce the genre. The genre is Chinese drama. You can imagine, as with every other drama genre, it's a whole world onto itself. And out of this amazing genre, I will mention my favorite example of it, which is called Nirvana in Fire. It's not that easy to find. You can find it on YouTube with English subtitles. You know, it's a costume drama, as many of these Chinese dramas are. It's about political intrigue. It's about Chinese culture and values. It's about how to be a patriot and improve the country and fight for your country, but also for your family and your loyalties to, you know, friendship and loyalties and the, t- and the ties that are, you know, blood ties. So it's, um, but the language, the language is beautiful. You don't even have to speak Mandarin, but just from hearing it and, l- and reading the subtitles, which obviously are far, far, far from perfect, you do get a sense of the beauty of, of the script, the language um, and, the, and the acting is superb across the board.
0: It's oh, it's so. And- Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, but just in the context of coronavirus, I've probably watched this show and it's like over 50 episodes. So it's very, very long, like over 50 hours. I've probably watched it, you know, like 10 times. But because of coronavirus, I've come back to it because it's so <laughs> soothing for my soul. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> it's so rare that we hear about something on the podcast that we've never heard about before. Yeah. You know, usually Jason's recommending Airport Lit, Trisha's recommending a nice drink she just had. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: so this is great. I'm really gonna look this up. Thank you.
1: Make sure it's not dubbed.
0: Oh, no, no one likes dubbed movies. Nobody wants Isn't that just insulting? Just everyone looks dumb in a dubbed movie, huh?
2: sure about the tone of voice like it's like what, what
0: yeah fuck? like you right? the mouths are moving at different speeds it's just <laughs> yeah, it's so Jeff. distracting joy thank you so much for coming on to the podcast with us we are so excited to see and hear you again uh and maybe we'll have you back on it i think you did really well you didn't know this was a test but it was and you <laughs> have so thank you thank you for being here
1: oh it was such a pleasure I'm so I'm so honored that you invited me to be on your podcast
0: yay alright and on that note everybody bye.
1: Bye. bye bye